we really are at a, at a turning point here in farm to school. The opportunities around universal school meals, grant opportunities, or even the opportunities with the growth around the National Farm to School Network and being able to look to other states and you know replicate pre-existing models. A lot of this just simply didn't exist not too far in the past. So we've grown a lot, but still have a lot of growth to do, I, I think. Welcome to the School Meal Marketing Podcast, produced by Dunk Tank Marketing. I'm your host and chief dunker, Dave Palmer. For more than a decade, we've worked with school nutrition programs to boost participation, engagement, and awareness with students, staff, and families. We've learned a ton and met some amazing people whose stories we want to share, along with some tips, insights, and lessons that we've learned about how to change the face of school nutrition. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and even how we can help you or your district, visit us at dunktankmarketing.com and look for the School Nutrition tab. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Some five-star reviews would also help if you're so inclined. For this episode, I'm joined by the very wise, thoughtful, and patient Yusuf Buzayan. Yusuf is the Farm to Market Senior Manager for the Community Alliance with Family Farmers, commonly known as CAF. You'll hear the wise and thoughtful parts for the entire episode. And I mentioned patience because we recorded this conversation several months ago. And in the rush of the fall's conferences and projects, the editing was delayed more than I'd hoped. That said, our conversation is a great way to kick off a new calendar year as we're looking at new opportunities. Yusuf shares the amazing resources that CAF has developed for both school nutrition leaders and family farmers to help connect them both and benefit one another. He also inspires us to keep pressing forward at a time when the possibilities and resources for farm to school have never been greater, and the work to be done is ever expanding into areas of greater equity, social, and environmental justice. So get ready for a wealth of insight, access to resources, and inspiration to kick off the new year with this conversation that starts right now. Yusuf, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for taking the time to talk. I've swirled in and around CAF for a little bit. Obviously, one of your colleagues, Elizabeth, and I have worked together in the past. Can you just give me a little bit about CAF broadly, sort of what the organization is working on it doing, and then more specifically, get into your role with farm to market and within that space and what all that entails? Yeah, Dave, thanks for scheduling the time to chat. So CAF is a statewide nonprofit, and this year is actually our 45th anniversary. We're based in Davis in the Sacramento area, but we have folks working throughout the state and we have statewide programming. Our mission is to build sustainable food and farming systems through policy advocacy and on-the-ground programs that create more resilient family farms, communities, and ecosystems. And we do that through a range of programs, including our ecological farming program that supports farmers with ecological farming practices, our uh, policy and action program, which organizes and advocates for family farmers, both here in Sacramento, but also in Washington, D.C. and in different local municipalities throughout the state. We also have our farmer services program. That includes our small farm tech hub that provides farmers with resources around different technology platforms and emerging technologies, our food safety and organic certification support programs, and our wildfire resilience program. We also manage uh, different 
emergency funds and provide emergency relief to farmers and food systems folks around the state. And last but not least, we have our farm to market program that I'm a part of. And our farm to market program encompasses a wide range of sales channels to support farmers in accessing different markets. We do some a little bit of work around CSAs, but we also do work with food hubs and small scale farm aggregators and help them access markets. We've done work in the past with different types of buyers. And one of the key buyers that we've been working with for several years now is institutional buyers. And I and I do a lot of work with institutional buyers, including hospitals, universities, and school districts. And CAF has been one of the leaders in farm to school throughout the state of California. We've began doing farm to school programming in 2004, and we actually started the California Farm to School Network, which we then passed off to the CDFA office of Farm to Fork and the great, the great team that they have leading the program there. Yeah, I do a lot of work with institutional buyers. I do a lot of work with farmers. But on the institutional buyer side, as I mentioned, we work with universities, schools, hospitals. We're doing some emerging programming coming up here with food hubs and food banks, actually, that uh, we started doing a lot of food bank work and emergency food relief programs during COVID. And uh, we're actually partnering now on our Farms Together project to build that out. We're partnering with Fresh Approach and the California Association of Food Banks to try and get more California-grown food in food banks in local regions throughout the state. CAF under our Farm to Market team also has our Latinx programming avenue that works with Latinx growers in getting sales. And we actually have Latinx programming across CAF within all of our different programs. We have Spanish-speaking and culturally competent staff members that focus their work on Latinx efforts. We also have growing and emerging programming around internal justice and equity, which has been a very important part of CAF's vision over the last few years. And we look to work with more BIPOC growers and buyers and communities throughout the state, including the Latinx community, the Hmong Southeast Asian community, and other communities in different regions throughout the state. So I know that was a very long-winded way to discuss <laughs> work, but that's CAF in a nutshell and a little bit about the farm to school work that and farm to institution work that I focus on. Yeah, thank you. So there, you touched on so many things there that I want to dig into. I just, no pun intended, but I to figure out what the process of getting it. There's so, there is so much exciting stuff in there. How did you come into this work? Why is this important to you? I think you've been at CAF for about six years. How did you get there? Why was it important to you? What sort of things? excite you and in, in the changes you've seen in the last few years? Prior to my time at CAF, I had gotten into agriculture and food systems through my experience in my undergrad, UC Davis, where I studied agricultural economics and international agricultural development. And my goal initially was to do food systems development work and agricultural development work abroad in North Africa and the Middle East. With uh, I have family background from North Africa, and uh, I wanted to work with the Arab and North African community. And through my experience in college, especially taking a lot of classes around community and regional development, I realized that a lot of the thought processes around community development that we look at with the international development lens could really be applied here in our own communities and backyard. And rather than travel halfway across the world to try and change food systems, why don't I look internally kind of to the communities that were around me and the communities that were, to be quite frank with you, that I was more familiar with. You know, I was born and raised here in Northern California. 
I had some more familiarity with the community here. So with that in mind, I realized, you know, I should look for opportunities to do food systems work here in the area. After I graduated college in 2016, I would begin looking for opportunities to work on farms or in food systems. I had the opportunity to work with some farmers markets. I also had some farm level experience in college. And I really realized that, okay, like there's such a growing and emerging food system here that's based on community and local food that this is where I want to be. So I began looking for different internship and food systems opportunities in the nonprofit space in the kind of Sacramento region. And I found an internship opportunity at CAF. So once I began at CAF, I was a farm to school intern focusing on really a lot of data transparency work. At the time in 2017, there wasn't as much transparency on local food with more recent initiatives. You know, there's been a lot of distributors who've developed tracking systems to show this is exactly where your product's coming from. But back then that didn't really exist as much. So it was going through a lot of spreadsheets and creating reports through a project we called the CAF Purchasing Collaboratives. We worked with some local distributors and made what we call local impact reports that we would send to school districts, hospital, and institutional buyers. These impact reports were, were made quarterly, and it would highlight how much you, the institution bought from family farms, how much the institution bought from within different mileage ranges, how much the institution bought organically or certified organic products. I'd put those reports together quarterly, and I just basically did a lot of the spreadsheet work on the back end as an intern. Through that, I realized that there's a, a lot of financial impact. Like There's a lot of dollars that could be sent to farmers. And I also realized there's a lot of growth that needs to be done in these tracking and transparency systems. So that being my interest in farm to school. And since then, I've had the opportunity to try different experiences within the farm to school program at CAF. I've worked on that purchasing collaborative project. I've worked on a lot of procurement support work. CAF has a huge focus on procurement support and helping school districts navigate different procurement regulations. So I've Spent a lot of time researching USDA, Department of Education regulations, and working directly with buyers in navigating those regulations and following them and being compliant with them just to make it easier for them to buy local. From there, we found that there was a huge need for school districts around purchasing RFPs and developing RFPs for purchasing. So I had written a few RFPs that prioritize local geographic preference and through writing those RFPs, we realized a lot of the times we're asking the school districts the same questions. So we developed a basic survey monkey form with all the questions we'd usually ask, and we'd ask school districts to populate that. And then we would fill out a template and develop a local item list with a lot of local and seasonal products. And that was the start of one of my favorite projects that we've done at CAF called Bid Generator. And that's an automated RFP development software that we've developed. School districts can go in put their exact criteria of what they're looking for as far as local, different standards that they might need. And they fill out a, a survey. And on the other end, RFP pops out. It's a really easy way for school districts to create their RFP in a way that's compliant. The one thing we ask is they prioritize local geographic preference. So that's been one of our kind of cornerstone projects. Outside of that, we've done individualized work with school districts. We've done a lot of food hub to school sales connections. 
We've worked with different aggregators and farms directly for sales. We've done uh, our annual California Crunch, which is a statewide promotional program that we've been doing since I believe 2015. I have Uh, posted about the California Crunch pretty much every year since then. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really exciting project where we get the opportunity to work with food service directors, farmers, and different partners throughout the state for a big promotional event called The Crunch. And we actually modeled it after the Great Lakes Crunch that was up in the kind of Michigan, Wisconsin area. School students will all crunch into a fruit or veggie at lunchtime. And there's the opportunity for educational activities around that. So we make a whole resource guide every year that we share with school districts that sign up. And it's a way to get school students to learn about how to eat healthy. They get to try local produce. They have to learn about seasonality. And it always happens in October in the fall. So there's some good crunchy, like there's some good things to crunch in that time of year. You know, <laughs> like pears, apples, Asian pears, persimmons, and the kids. It's just a great way to engage with the kids and the students and help them to kind of increase the community awareness around this. Because there's also a lot of school districts will do like community uh, events around this or special promotional events highlighting uh, products. And we create a whole suite of educational signage and materials to include and activities like taste testings or other ways to just get the kids thinking about this. And it's nice because some school districts don't have necessarily year-round programs around local this is kind of one way to start off like, all right, we'll do a promotional day and then build out from there. And we've seen school districts start with a crunch and then do a harvest of the month and then develop a whole farm to school program out of that as kind of one way to just get the students a little ga- engaged and see where things go. Those are fantastic events because they're sort of, they're a marking point where somebody can say, here's this one day or one week that we're going to go in and highlight something and give people a little bit of awareness. And it's a, it's a nice thing to build off of. I want to real quickly jump back. You talked through procurement and before we started this, we were chatting a little bit about this process for both schools and farmers. It can maybe seem intimidating for a school district to say, we want to start bringing in local foods, but what are the regulations around that? How can we do that? And similarly for a farmer, I was telling you about a friend of mine who's a a small farm up in Mariposa County and talked with a small local district. And they're both saying like, how do we go about this? turns out it was micro-purchasing, but share a little bit about like, what is that process? What have you seen? And has it gotten easier for schools and for farmers to be able to work with one? I think it has gotten easier for schools and farmers to work with one another because there's been more awareness around what the processes are like. And there's a lot of resources there. CAF, we have our California Produce Procurement Guide that we developed with our partners down in San Diego the Farm Institution Center at Community Health Improvement Partners. And that's an entire resource guide with steps on how to do micro-purchases, informal purchases, larger contracts. So that's an example of some of the resources that are out there. On the farmer side, we also have a whole farmer marketing guide and just released a video on farm to school how-to for farmers. And that's just examples on our end as CAF. You know, CDFA Office of Farm, the Fork has resources, Eat Real, CHIP, Center for Eco-Literacy, Lunch Assist, a lot of these great partner organizations that are out there. So I think that's one reason why there's more of a focus on farm to farm to school and what's made it a little easier. There's been support from the first partner's office. There's been support from CDFA. So there's a lot of buy-in. Even CDE understands and has 
understand that there's a growing interest in farm to school and is increasing the amount of information and awareness and transparency on how to do farm to school in a compliant way. So I think it's gone easier just because that increased interest and awareness. As far as kind of the nuts and bolts of it, it depends on what level the school district is at and what level the farmer is at in their farm to school experience. So oftentimes with school districts, we'd encourage them to start off with a micro-purchase, rather doing that micro-purchase as a one-time promotional event, for example, crunch or harvest of the month or a taste testing. But I think that's one good way to start off. And a micro-purchase for, I know we can get in the kind of technical terms, but a micro-purchase for those that don't know is there's a, a USDA and statewide threshold on essentially once you reach a certain dollar amount in a purchase, you have to then start a informal procurement or bidding process. So you need to go through a process of selecting a proper vendor through different criteria and scores. That might be something that I would use your bid generator for. Uh, exactly. That's exactly what our bid generator supports with. But micro-purchases are a lot more flexible. So these are at the state level and the USDA level, it's $50,000 or less. Municipalities, so your county might have a lower threshold, but it's one purchase that's under $50,000 you can do multiple micro-purchases. So sometimes there's confusion. Some folks think that, oh, it's $50,000 for the whole year. No, it's $50,000 per individual purchase. But if you do repeat purchases, you then need to start looking into informal bid or RFP or formal procurement process. But the, for you know, it's really just a, a one-off purchasing process where you don't need to do any formal searching for a vendor. You can just connect with a vendor and this is good for things like emergency purchases. Let's say the lettuce delivered that week came in spoiled and I need like lettuce tomorrow, right? A micro-purchase helps in that case. Or, you know, if there's any emergencies that happen. Or the other benefit is it's really good for these moments where you want to try something different. So maybe trying out a new product that your main distributor doesn't have available or trying out a local purchase or using it as a trial to connect with a new farmer that you're building a relationship with. So micro-purchases help with that as kind of a good way to get your foot in the door. You can establish a connection with a farmer directly and make that one-off purchase. Another route for the school district is to go through a food hub or a kind of a mission-driven smaller aggregator that's going to work with a couple of growers in your region or in a specific region. That works out very well because food hubs and smaller aggregators tend to have better distribution capabilities than your individual farmer. You know, if you have like 10 drop-off sites, you know, a farmer might not have a cool truck to do that. But if you look at some food hub models, they might have to have the logistics, the refrigeration, packing capabilities, all those things that would make the sale a little easier. So I think some good examples of that kind of really school food focused food hubs would be like Spork up here in the Sacramento area, Old Grove Orange and Riverside Food Hub down in the Riverside area. But really, a lot of other food hubs or aggregators are really nice because they help you hit that volume or those logistical needs that you might not have had otherwise. So I'd say that's the best way to just start with a farm to school as a school district. And there's a lot of opportunities to build on that. And we have resources to build from there. On the farmer side, a good starting point really is to consider what products you have and if they're a good fit for school districts. So if you're thinking of school districts, you're looking at like things like canned fruit, other kind of easy to eat products, something like, you know, if the small school district that doesn't have processing capabilities, something like a, like butternut squash isn't going to necessarily work well. So considering the products that you're growing and if they 
make sense for school districts. And some school districts might have processing capabilities, but that's just kind of a first step, first thing to consider. You're going to then want to rather consider, do you want to sell through a food hub or do you want to sell directly to a school district? So what we like to think of like from the farmer perspective is if you can imagine a triangle as a farmer, you've got like at the tip top, you'll have a smaller point in the triangle and that's where you get smaller volume, but really good price, like CSA sales, farmer's market sales. Then if you go down, you can get higher volumes at this base of the pyramid through like selling through a wholesaler. A lot of volume out, not as good of a price as, as you might want. Institutional sales are that nice in between where you're getting a good amount of volume out, an easier way to get volume out than through a farmer's market, for example, less labor intensive or a CSA. And you're still getting a better price than you would through a wholesaler. That's kind of the lens we like to think of farm to school as for a farmer. As far as reaching out to find a school district, there's a couple of different ways to do that. I would encourage you to reach out to us at CAF and we can connect you with school districts in your region that we know are pretty well established in farm to school already. There's also opportunities to reach out to CDFA office of farm to fork. You could also sell to school uh, food hub that might already be selling to school districts. So it really depends on which part of the state you're in and, and kind of what you're looking for volume wise and finding the school district that meets your needs. But that's something we could help farmers uh, guide through. And one last thing to consider on kind of farmer and school district connections or school food connections is just considering the volumes and the sizes. So farmers are probably thinking in terms of cases, sometimes, you know, larger volumes, school districts might be thinking of like half cup servings. And what does that mean? So a little bit of that thought on the back end of what are both sides processing capabilities like? How can we make that connection in a way that's easiest for both parties? And if a school district also is looking like, where are farms that have done this well? Can you also help connect schools to farms, you know, help make that process go a little bit, especially if somebody's starting to build a school program? Definitely. That is uh, one of the main things we do in our farm to school work specifically. So in addition to helping the school district kind of jump through the procurement rules and regs, we can connect them directly with a, a farmer. We'll connect farmers to school districts in their regions and vice versa. We'll also connect them with food hubs as well, again, for the kind of si the simpler process. We also make uh, know your farmer signage for any of these purchases that highlight the source farm, a little information about the farm, where they're located, farm name, you know, certified organic, the product. And that's also a nice thing to include in the cafeteria to have, again, have that transparency, not just to the school food buyer, but the student and the parents and the community as well. Absolutely. And and I would also say for any schools that are getting those resources from you to to figure out a way to transfer that into social, to digital media, to be able to share that through social media or newsletters. It's those, we've done that with some clients where we really do, you know, like a monthly farmer spotlight. And it really does get out there when PTAs start paying attention to that sort of stuff. They're like, wait a minute, this is coming into our kids' lunches. It's a huge trust and confidence builder. Also for staff staff at schools that may not pay attention to what's going on yeah, here. That's amazing that you provide those for people. It definitely. And I think that echoes to the the value of the work you're doing with, with marketing. We were chatting earlier about how a lot of the farm to school or the school side marketing materials aren't as engaging as they should be. And a lot of the value and the story is lost through a lack of marketing that isn't always there. So I think that the work that you're doing is really foundational and 
not only just telling the story of, oh, we're buying local food, but also this is who we're buying it from. This is the impact. And this is how it's impacting our community. And this is how we're engaging the students. I think there's a lot of value that still hasn't been captured there. So it's good to see that that movement growing and that marketing aspect growing. Hi, Dave Palmer here with a quick break. When you hear us talking about the marketing side of school nutrition, and you know that you need to level up your own program's marketing efforts, Dunk Tank Marketing can help. Whether it's creating branding, messaging, and content for your program, or a done-for-you social media marketing plan that posts for you three times a week, all year long, we have a solution for you. We've been boosting participation, engagement, and awareness of school food programs for more than a decade, and we can't wait to help you. Visit dunktankmarketing.com and schedule a free, no-obligation consultation and start to level up your marketing today. Now, back to the show. Showing that transparency of where the food is coming from and connecting to a farmer, it undergirds and really supports that message of, no, we are serving healthy, nutritious, and tasty food. We've been pushing a lot the Tufts Friedman School reports that came back and said that in America, school meals are the healthiest meals being eaten by the most number of Americans right now. Food food at restaurants, those sorts of things, the nutritional value of school food is really sort of the the leader. And as you might imagine, that's a talking point that a lot of people look sideways at. Like, what are you talking about? But part of that is that schools serve at scale. We can incorporate healthy local, you know, more and more locally based fruits and vegetables and foods that really does shift the food supply at scale, which goes back to is my long way of getting around a little bit, asking you to tell me a little more about the equity piece, because part of that having more fresh foods and more local foods available in schools really does do something to provide more equitable access to those foods at scale. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing in that space and what sort of things you're seeing. First thing I'd like to say is the whole farm to school movement and really the school food movement in general still hasn't done enough. There's still a lot of growth that needs to be done. I think there has been some more of a focus recently around equitable food systems, which is, I'm glad to see that it's growing and the awareness is growing and the understanding of what the needs are is growing. I think one thing that we try and do is share the farmer's story. We've done a lot of work prioritizing Latinx growers, BIPOC growers, what the USDA defines as kind of socially disadvantaged producers. We've worked with with those growers on the policy front, sales support, um, really across all of CAF's programs. On the farm to school side, though, I think an important piece is ensuring that farmers get a fair price, that farmer transparency is available, that the source farm is identified, and that that story comes across, that students can see folks, you know, I'm as a BIPOC person myself, I don't get to necessarily identify with where my food always comes from. There isn't usually that awareness, right? And I think a lot of times in America, the first image that comes to mind of your farmer isn't necessarily someone that looks like you for a lot of communities in the in the state. So by being able to share the story of those farmers, I think we do a good job of, or we do a better job of showing the, the awareness and community impact. I think there's a huge piece around culturally competent food and culturally appropriate food. There's a lot of food in K through 12s that don't, again, as someone, you know, grown up as an Arab American, the foods that I saw in school did not were very different from the schools I, I saw I ate at home. So 
trying to ensure that there's more cultural awareness and appropriate foods in schools, I think is a very, very important piece. And part of that's also ensuring that there's culturally appropriate crops. So working with the different communities in the region that might grow foods and produce foods that align with the demographics of your student population. So for example, we've worked with Fresno BIPOC produce in the Valley, and they've did a great job of sourcing uh, local, especially Asian produce. And we've partnered with the Asian Business Institute and Resource, Institute and Resource Center has done similar work around uh, sourcing, especially Asian produce in local communities. So can we get that in the classroom? Can we get other products in the cafeteria that are going to look more similar to a student? I think that's across communities in the state. So really having an awareness of what are the students going to eat that, that aligns with them and their, their community and their, and their background. It reminds me of, listen, I don't know if you've heard any of the Mission Readiness podcast that those folks have, have been doing. They talked to a nutrition director in Maine, and you don't think of Maine as a place with a lot of racial diversity, but there are some large in, immigrant communities that have come there. And so this director has really engaged that community to come in and, and join their staff and help develop their menus based around these new communities and the, for the, you know, sort of traditional Anglo Mainers that are there, kids love trying new foods. And when it's coming with the, from their friend in class, it turns into an adventure as opposed to something that's intimidating, you know, that that really can happen anywhere, but it's engaging our communities to really reflect the folks that are in. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree 100%. Another example I can, I can think of is we've been working on a a beef to institution project with a whole range of partners, Tomcat Ranch, Eat Real, Healthcare Without Harm, Kitchen Table Advisors, so a lot of great organizations that we partnered with, with on this work. And I was talking to Chef Santana Diaz at UC Davis Medical. That, he leads the dining there. And one of the main things he was saying was, we really want to find local regenerative. So the goal of this project is to source local regenerative grass-fed proteins in schools and other institutions, schools, hospitals, universities. And one of the, the main things you've focused on is there's this been this big push at the UC level to try and bring in halal food into schools, into universities and across, across the university system. But we can't find halal regenerative meat, right? So trying to think of things in that way of like, not what's only culturally appropriate, but it's also culturally appropriate and aligns with our farm to school and ecological values and things of that nature. And that was really great to hear because like growing up as a Muslim American, you don't, when I was younger, you didn't see halal meat very often anywhere. And now you're hearing at, you know, at the A through 12 level, other larger institutions are putting this focus on halal and they've almost moved to the next step of not only is it halal, but can let's try and find halal that's regenerative, right? Or like, Let's not only bring in that specialty Asian produce, let's bring in specialty Asian produce that's grown with ecological farming practices, or that might be certified organic. So it's great to see that it shouldn't just be reaching cultural appropriate foods, but it should be high quality cultural appropriate foods. Similarly, like growing up, you know, when it'd be like, oh, there's no halal meat available, let's just give them the vegetarian option, right? Where it's, that's not the same value as being culturally appropriate in having those same values around regenerative or ecological practicing, organic, what have you. So it's cool to see that some of it's also taking that next step in trying to be equitable in the, in the aspect of quality, environmental impacts, things like that. 
it's exciting too that the work is never done, but not so much in a way where you're always pushing the boulder up the hill, but that there are exciting new challenges and opportunities. Several years ago, I had somebody, a nutrition director asked me, so when are we done marketing? I was like, I don't know, when's McDonald's done marketing? They're, they're buying for your kids' bellies. Yeah, just, it doesn't stop. But that's not necessarily a discouraging thing. It's that there, we, we always have more that we can do and we, we continue to learn more. I think we've made a lot of progress. There's still a lot of progress to be made. So I, I think it's an exciting, we really are at a, at a turning point here in Farm to School. I mean, and you see that with, I mean, across the board in Farm to School programming, whether that's, the opportunities around universal school meals, grant opportunities from CDFA Office Farm to Fork or the local food for schools grants, or even the opportunities with the growth around the National Farm to School Network and being able to look to other states and you know replicate pre-existing models. A lot of this just simply didn't exist not too far in the past. So we've grown a lot, but still have a lot of growth to do, I, I think. Yeah, for sure. And and again, as you as you mentioned, I mean universal meals from some of the directors that I speak with, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities because now your participation is grow is in many, if not most cases that I'm talking to, they're seeing participation increase, which of course, and some of the reimbursable rates have gone up and that gives more flexibility to bring in better quality foods. And it is hopefully creating a cycle. I so appreciate your time. I know we've got a couple of minutes left before we got to go. And thank you for emphasizing like, hey, we've done some nice things, but there's a lot more. I think that's a, I see that as a, an exciting challenge for everybody in this space. Tell me something, if somebody wants to learn more about what CAF is doing or want to engage with you, if they've got specific requests. Yeah. You know, I think best way is email. Uh, you could email me at Yousef, Y-O-U-S-E-F at CAF, C-A-F-F dot org. And I can connect you with, uh, you know, some of our pre-existing resources or we could schedule a time to chat and talk about what your farm to school goals are or how CAF can support the work you're already doing. Also, if you'd like more general information about CAF or other programs, feel free to check out our website at caff.org. We have resources for farmers. We have resources for buyers. And our goal really is to support building sustainable food food and farming systems. And that's really the core of CAF's work. And we're able to do that thanks to the support of the farmers, the aggregators, and the buyers that we work with and school food buyers really are, are an important piece of the larger food system in the state. Awesome. I may hit you up too, to make sure that I get some links for things like the bid generator and some of those others. I want to put those in the show notes and to those, make sure that people have access to all of that as well. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Yusuf Buzayan from CAF, the Community Alliance with Family Farmers. If you want to learn more or access their resources like the bid generator, visit CAF.org. That's C-A-F-F dot org. We'll also post links in the show notes. Please consider subscribing to this show and leaving us a five-star review that'll help other people find this podcast. And if you need help marketing your school nutrition program, visit dunktankmarketing.com and set up a free, no-obligation consultation call to see how to level up your marketing today. Thanks for listening, and be on the lookout for more from the School Meal Marketing Podcast from Dunk Tank Marketing.